0: Good to see you this morning. I am, uh, I am glad to be here. I am really glad that you're here. I know that the weather outside is frightful, and uh, you did not have to come this morning. I'm glad that you did. You knew your pastor was not going to be here, or I think you suspected at least. And um, so I, I'm glad you made the effort. I'm glad that you're here. That will encourage Nathan that, that you are. My name is Scott Miller. I am Nathan's dad. Um, And I serve now as the uh, associational mission strategist for the Faulkner Baptist Association. So I work for you. I work for your church, your church, and 31 other churches in our association. I appreciate every morning, every Sunday morning, that you all pray for other churches in our association. They know that you pray for them, and they are encouraged by that. So thank you all for doing that. Uh, Thank you all for letting me be here. Thank you for for giving to the association, for supporting the association, praying for being a part of uh, the Faulkner Baptist Association. It's one of the best associations in the state, uh, and it was that before I got here. And so I'm grateful for the churches in our community and and in our county and, and what they're doing across our county. Let me say just a few words about Nathan and Destiny. They're doing very well. Uh, Many of you may know all of this already. Uh, She had a doctor's appointment on Tuesday. I hesitate to say much because I know they want to be the ones to share, but I know that you all have been praying for them and concerned about them. They had a doctor's appointment on Tuesday, and um, uh, Peter, for the last uh, few weeks or so, he hasn't really gained a lot. They were struggling to get good readings on him, good heartbeats, those kind of things. So they were a little concerned, not overly concerned, but they decided it might be better just to uh, do a, a planned situation this past Friday. Uh, so they went in Friday morning. It was slow going all day until all of a sudden it wasn't. And some of you uh, have probably been in situations like that. Uh, Peter came quickly when he decided he was, uh, he was going to get here. Uh, so Friday night, I think at 747, um, Peter was born and all is well. Um, Nathan, though, in the night uh, got what we think is food poisoning and uh, was very ill in the night and then very weak afterwards. So he was of absolutely no help to anybody. Um, he went home, I think, for a few hours uh, yesterday and slept, and went back up to the hospital. They released them last night. So all is well. Everything is good. They're home. We've had JC with us this weekend. So she's a little clingier toward uh, before with tea, I think, this morning than normal. Uh, but, uh, but all is well. We'll go see them again this afternoon. And uh, they'll post pictures and all those kind of things. Their intent was to do that yesterday morning. Uh, but things were just chaotic all day with Nathan's situation. And, and Destiny was having to do all of it. And, uh, and she, of all people, was in the least, uh, I guess, least able to do a lot of that. So everything's good. Uh, So I'm not going to say any more because I want them to say what they want to say, but I'm glad that you're here this this morning. Uh, Nathan has assigned me a section of the Psalms. I think he has done that Four different ones uh, through the month of January because he didn't know for sure what was going to happen, when it was going to happen. And so I've got kind of a middle section of the book of Psalms. Most of it is uh, covered by book three in the book of Psalms. And uh, we're looking today at Psalm 73. Uh, So if you would like to turn there that's great. I realized uh, this morning that when I got here I always drive and all my stuff's in my car. Today we drove with Tana's car because Tana's car has the car seat and when I got here I don't have any glasses and uh, I'm older than I am the last time that I stood behind a pulpit with no reading glasses and so we'll see how it is. This is either going to be really short or really long uh, we'll see how it is this morning, but look with me, if you will, in, Genu- uh, in, in Psalm 73, and that's where we'll be in just a few moments. On January 17th, in the year 2004, a 66-ton whale died and was beached on the southwestern coast of Taiwan near a city called Tainan. Two weeks later, the, uh, the officials got together, the authorities of the city got together, On January 29th, they decided that they were going to truck that dead whale carcass to a lab so that they can do an autopsy and see why the whale died. It took 50 laborers, three cranes, 13 hours to hoist a 56-foot-long whale onto a flatbed trailer truck. When they went through the town, the pedestrians had lined the city street, shop owners poured out onto the sidewalks. It was a one-truck parade of a dead whale carcass that was slowly creeping through the city streets. They'd never seen anything like that. And that's when it happened. As the truck was driving slowly through the downtown region, the crowds were looking on, that whale carcass exploded. It had been two weeks of sitting out into the sun, and the insides had swollen. The road was bumpy, and it caused an eruption that the townspeople will never forget. Cars and people and sidewalks and local shops were splattered with whale insides. Traffic was brought to a halt, and the smell for weeks was almost unbearable. I doubt that any of those people woke up that morning expecting that by noon they would be covered with whale guts. Sometimes things happen in life that we don't expect. And sometimes we look around us and we say, you know, this is not what I thought was going to happen. This is not the way I thought it was going to be. I thought it was going to turn out differently than it actually turned out. But that's the way life is sometimes. Sometimes things don't go as we plan. Sometimes things that happen don't make sense. Sometimes the things we see can even contradict what we believe about God. So what do we do when our faith is hit hard by reality? Asaph was one of David's musicians for the tabernacle. He saw this, what was going on in his time. He experienced these same things and he wrote about them in a psalm. Book three, the book of Psalms is divided up into five books. Book three, David wrote one psalm in that section. Others wrote 17 psalms. Asaph is the one who wrote the majority of those. Asaph wrote Psalm 73, and I'd like for you to read along with me as we read. Oh God, why, excuse me, 73. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled, my steps had nearly slipped. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. For there are no pangs in their death, but their strength is firm. They are not in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like other men. Therefore, pride serves as their necklace. Violence covers them like a garment. Their eyes bulge with abundance. They have more than heart could wish. They scoff and speak wickedly concerning oppression. They speak loftily. They set their mouth against the heavens, and their tongue walks through the earth. Therefore his people return here, and waters of a full cup are drained by them. And they say, how does God know? And is their knowledge in the Most High? Behold, these are the ungodly, who are always at ease. They increase in riches. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain, and washed my hands in innocence. For all day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. If I had said, I will speak this way, behold, I would have been untrue to the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me until I went into the sanctuary of God. Then I understood their end. Surely you set them in slippery places. You cast them down to destruction. Oh, how they are brought to desolation as in a moment. They are utterly consumed with terrors as a dream when one awakes. So, Lord, when you awake, you shall despise their image. Thus, my heart was grieved and I was vexed in mind. I was so foolish and ignorant, I was like a beast before you. Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God, that I may declare all your works. This morning, we're going to look at the what and the way and the who. We start by looking at the what. Asaph begins with a conviction that is held by all godly people in verse 1. Truly God is good to Israel, to such as are pure in heart. We wake up most days believing this. We might even wake up most days saying this. We have a firm conviction within us that God is good and that God blesses his people. But sometimes that conviction can be contradicted by our circumstances. And that's what happens already by verse 2. But as for me, my feet had almost stumbled. My steps had nearly slipped. There was a dilemma for Asaph. You and I have been there. We know God is sovereign. We know God is good. We know God loves us. But the ground we're standing on sometimes feels slippery. For Asaph, the problem was one of frustration. What he was seeing didn't make sense with what he knew about God to be true. He looked around and he saw people that didn't love God, people who didn't live for God, who seemed to be blessed by God. He looked at those people and he saw them as proud people. They are called the boastful in verse 3. He he says they wear pride as a necklace in verse 6. They set their mouth against the heavens in verse 9. They speak loftily in verse 8. Their tongue parades through the earth in verse 9. They were proud, but they were also powerful. Violence covers them like a garment in verse 6. They mock and speak wickedly of oppression in verse 8. He saw them as prosperous people. He talks about the prosperity of the wicked in verse 3. He says they don't seem to be in trouble as other men, nor are they plagued like mankind in verse 5. They have more than heart could wish in verse 7. They increase in riches in verse 12. He says they are painless. In verse 4, he says there are no pangs in their death. Not only do they have it easy in life, it also seems they die a nice, comfortable death. He says they are also plump. Their body is fat in verse 4. Their eyes bulge from fatness in verse 7. Asaph looked at those people and he couldn't understand why it is that such ungodly people seem to be blessed by God. And he compared that to himself in verses 13 and 14. Surely I have cleansed my heart in vain and washed my hands in innocence. All day long I have been plagued and chastened every morning. He said, I have done what I thought was right to do, but I seem to be the one that's being punished for it. He says, God's people are asking you, if God sees all that, then why doesn't he punish them? For Asaph, his what was the prosperity of the wicked. That was his what. That was the what that he was having trouble with. I would ask you, what is your what? What is it that bugs you? When you look around, what is it that confuses you about God? Is it the fact that the wicked prosper? Is it the fact that there is disease and suffering and you would assume a good God could stop that? Is it homelessness? Is it world hunger? Is it worldwide war? Is it, is it political fights? Maybe it's even church fights. Maybe it's something else. I want you to imagine for just a moment, what is it that most bugs you about life? What is it that most confuses you about God? Is it that babies die? Is it that babies can die even before they're born? What is it that bothers you about God? That is your what? For Asaph, it was the prosperity of the wicked. But we all have a what? We all have something that we're troubled by. Asaph said, this is my what? And like anybody who's got a pretty big what, he wanted to try to figure out the way. How is it that I'm going to solve this thing? How is it that I'm going to resolve this thing? How is it that I'm going to make sense of what I know to be true about God and what I know to see with my own eyes? What is the way that I'm going to do to resolve this? Well, we're told what it is in verses 15 and 16. He said, if I had said, this is how I will speak, behold, I would have been untrue To the generation of your children. When I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. How do you justify what you see with what you know about God? What is the way that you work through that? What's your way of making sense of things? The reason Asaph nearly stumbled in verse 2. It's because he was trying to do it the wrong way. His way was wrong. He made at least three mistakes that we see here in this psalm. First of all, he had animosity toward the wicked in verse 3. For I was envious of the boastful when I saw the prosperity of the wicked. In other words, he started focusing more on what they were doing than what he knew God to be doing. He had animosity toward the wicked. He also though grew annoyed with God. Look in verses 21 and 22. Thus my heart was grieved, I was vexed in my mind, I was so foolish and ignorant, I was like a beast before you. Asaph grew annoyed with God, maybe even angry with God. He allowed to see what he was uh, he allowed what he was seeing to impact what he was feeling. But he was also angling to quit. Not sure how rooted Asaph was. He was on slippery ground already. In verse 16, he said, when I thought how to understand this, it was too painful for me. So rather than trying to figure it out, he just threw up his hands and quit. He was tempted to give up. He was looking at it the wrong way. Until he started looking at it the right way. The psalm ends in the way that the psalm ought to end for a happy ending. When did Asaph start looking at it the right way? When he entered the sanctuary of God in verse 17. We get the right perspective in life when we start looking in the right place. That's how we figure things out best. When we start trying to see things from God's perspective rather than just our own. For Asaph, the problem was the prosperity of the wicked that was all around him. And and he was confused by that. We all get confused at times and we all wonder sometimes. It really doesn't matter what our what is. What matters is the way we approach the what. When we're confused... When what we see doesn't match what we believe, we ought to do three things. We ought not to focus on the people or the ideology that's causing the confusion. You'll, you'll rarely make sense of the problem logically. There are few logical answers for why some of the things that happen in life happen the way they do. It's not going to be found with a logical solution. We ought not to focus on how it's affecting us personally. Because believe it or not, it's not always about us. God really can have something bigger in mind than just what affects me and my life. So we can't look at it logically. We also can't solve the problem selfishly. Because what might be good for me might be terrible for you. I might be praying for snow. I might be praying for snow that's six feet deep. That might cause a problem for you. So we can't look at the problem selfishly either. So what is the way? Well, we can't give up as ASAP was tempted to do. And we've got to stop trying to think it through or or feel our way through until we eventually find ourselves in despair. The problem's going to be solved Spiritually, I don't know that every problem can be solved with a spiritual solution. But I do know this, the way I approach every problem can be found and solved with a spiritual solution. We ought not to, we ought to go where God is, where from the secret place of the Most High, we see things as God sees them from his perspective. You'll want to remember this next part. Regardless of the what that most often gets to you, there is a way that works best to find a solution. What is that way? The way is the who. You'll always find the right way when you start focusing on the who. Regardless of the what, The best way to address the what will always be found in who? The what, the way, and the who. Who is the who? Well, you know, of course, we've gathered together in a church. The who is always going to be found in Jesus Christ. The who is always going to be found in the Almighty God. The who is always going to be found in our relationship with Him. Our problems are made worse because we're often narrow-minded. We're often short-sighted. It's a question of perspective. And so we need to start looking at things the way God would look at things. We need to try to see things from God's perspective. We need to look at things not just as, as, as what's going to happen in the next few days, or the next few weeks, or even the next few years, or even what might happen in our lifetime. But what has God planned for all of eternity? From his perspective... Many of the things we see today won't even be a factor a few years from now. Probably won't be a factor at all a generation or two from now, a hundred years from now. Even the worst of things can sometimes be taken care of in just a few days. Wrongs are righted. Evil is avenged. Good is vindicated. If not here, then in the final judgment. When Asaph found the solution, in the sanctuary of God it wasn't that he was focusing on the temple this is not a you ought to go to church sermon although you ought to go to church the reason Asaph said I found my who in the sanctuary of God was because that's where God was in Old Testament thinking under Jewish principles. God was seated on the the mercy seat represented by the Ark of the Covenant. And if people were going to have a relationship with God, they had to go to the temple in order to do that. You and I have a luxury they didn't have. We have the opportunity to meet with God wherever we are, whenever we are, however we are. We have that opportunity to meet with our who at any point, at any time. So they needed to go to a certain where in order to see their who. But God is that who. And by spending time with God, Asaph found the perspective that he needed. It was like he said, waking up from a haze of confusion. Like waking up from a dream and suddenly it all made sense. I'm not sure the what changed. I'm not sure his problem was solved, but I am sure that he realized the way he was trying to approach it was wrong, and he found the right approach to that problem in God. I think that's true for every single one of us. Whether it's a financial problem, a physical problem, an emotional problem, a spiritual problem, a geographical problem, Whether it's a problem that affects us or those around us. Whether it's a problem that affects our nation or other nations. Whether it's a problem that's been ongoing since sin began. Or whether this is a new thing that we're experiencing for the first time. I think the solution to every problem is best found by looking at it as God looks at it. Notice how it is that he closes the psalm. It reads totally different when you've kind of walked the journey that Asaph has walked. When you go from the what through the way to the who. He says in verse 23, Nevertheless, I am continually with you. You hold me by my right hand. You will guide me with your counsel and afterward receive me to glory. Whom have I in heaven but you? You. And there is none upon earth that I desire besides you. My flesh and my heart fail, but God is the strength of my heart and my portion forever. For indeed, those who are far from you shall perish. You have destroyed all those who desert you for harlotry. But it is good for me to draw near to God. I have put my trust in the Lord God that I may declare all your works. There may be a what that you're struggling with today. It may be a what that you struggled with for months or years. Or it may be a what that just come upon you all of a sudden. And you may have been trying to figure out how you're going to solve this what. Whether it's logically or personally But I would recommend that the best way to approach any what is through who? It's through God. So I would recommend that even now in just a moment as we dismiss this service that we'll have a time that that you can come to the altar to pray. I'll be here at the front and I'll be glad to pray with you if you'd like for me to. But it's always more important that you spend time with your Heavenly Father. And as we sing this last song in just a moment, the altar is going to be open. And maybe you just want to approach God here. You just might want to approach who here. So that together you can start seeing things the way God sees things. And you can start approaching your situation to get the way God would have you to do that. If by chance you're lost today and you've never trusted in Jesus Christ as your personal Savior then you may not realize it, but that's your biggest what. That's the problem. That's your biggest problem. And you need to address that, and I'd be glad to help you with that. But it may be this morning that you want to join this church. You can do that even if the pastor's not here. What a treat that would be for him when he came back. But you can join this church. You can make a decision of some kind here at this altar, whatever it might be. This time is for you. I'm going to pray, and then I would ask you to stand as we sing together this this last hymn. Father, we thank you for being with us today, for being with us always. Sometimes, Father, the things that we see don't make sense with what we know to be true about you. We know that you love us, and we know that you're a good and holy God. And sometimes we struggle to make sense of what we're living or what we're seeing And Father, I pray that you might remind us today that we don't always see things the way you see things, but we see things best when we see things the way you see things. So Father, help us to look to you when our struggles are real, when we wake up and find ourselves in a situation we didn't expect when that morning started. Father, help us to look to you. Father, we ask that you'll be with us in Jesus' name. Amen.